1: It's time for the fantasy points podcast brought to you by fantasypoints.com top level fantasy football and NFL betting analysis from every perspective and angle from numbers to the film room with a single goal to help you score more fantasy points. Ladies and gentlemen, you are listening to the fantasy points podcast and oh boy, What a special podcast we have for you today. We have the great Danny Kelly of The Ringer, one of the best draft guys in the game. Uh, Go on The Ringer, check out his mock draft, check out his big board, his player comps, his his player profiles, who he thinks the best wide receivers, running backs, tight ends, quarterbacks are in this draft class. Uh, And he also just... So happens to be one of the best dynasty guys around one of the best fantasy guys around I know a few years back he was like pretty NFL only and he's like a brilliant NFL mind diving in deep into the X's nose and, and it's clear he brought that uh, knowledge over to the fantasy side so so he has a big leg up on the rest of us for that and, and he's been absolutely crushing it over at the ringer and he's also a close personal friend uh, Danny how are you doing.
0: I am doing excellent. Thank you for that intro and thank you for teaching me about fantasy football because yeah, like you said a couple of years ago, I think I came to you and I was literally like, dude, tell me how to play. Fantasy I suck at this. <laughs> I like supposedly know the NFL pretty well, but fantasy is this whole other ball game where, you know, you kind of just have to pay attention to different things. I think I was stuck in this mindset that like I'm only willing to take good players. Generally speaking, that's not changed a ton, but you know what I mean? You have to yeah. You have to account for volume. You have to account for coaching, you know, illogical coaching, all that stuff. So, um, but yeah, it's been really fun to learn from uh, from you about, you know, how to dominate in fantasy.
1: Yeah. And then I invite you to my home league and you dominate it. And (laughs) I invite you to a dynasty league and you dominate it. And so, well, well, thank you for that. But yeah. Yeah. I, typically you want good players, you know, this is, this is going to be like kind of a dynasty rookie focus pod and NFL yeah. draft pod. So good players are important, but yeah, sometimes, I mean, especially in DFS, you know, you could just, uh, you know, grab a not good player who's getting a lot of targets and just, you know, racking the money. Yeah. Uh, so Danny, the, the first question I'm going to ask you is uh, the, the, the same question I've been asking a lot of my recent guests and that's, How's your ball situation?
0: <laughs> My ball situation?
1: <laughs> because if your it's hair down there, if your hair down there is getting a bit burly, you should give our folks over at Manscaped a call. <laughs> That's because support for fantasy points is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below-the-waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision-engineered tools for your family jewels. We obsessed over their technology developments to provide you the best tools for your grooming experience. Manscaped is trusted by over 2 million men worldwide. We have an exclusive offer for my listeners, and that's 20% off, plus free shipping with the code FP2021 at Manscaped.com. One more time, that's Manscaped.com. Promo code FP2021. You like that?
0: You got me there. I was like, "Could you be more specific as to what you're wondering?"
1: That's that's been that's been about the the reaction I've been getting. Just, <laughs> just had, to, had to had to spring that one on you. Apologies for that. I'll good. say I'll say <clears throat> this podcast is also brought to you by uh, the draft guide that we have out. Mm. Um, Greg Cassell, you know, a billion profiles, all of his comments on the top players. Danny, I know you checked that out. You have any, uh, any, any words there? Any, any guys, you know, really jump out to you when, when looking that over?
0: Um, I think, well, first of all, the, the draft guide is amazing. And I downloaded the fantasy points app the other day and the functionality is really, really nice. Like you can just scroll, you can scroll through each evaluation really easily. It's just like, it's super simple and I like it a lot. So congrats on that and good job doing that and putting it together. Um, Obviously, I've been a long time follower of Greg Cosell and basically have read and listened to basically everything that he puts out. So um, yeah, it's just the perfect situation to uh, learn as much as you can about these players. I was just telling you about Josh Palmer from Tennessee, kind of one of my favorite sleepers. And I was reading Greg's um, profile on him and he seemed to like him a a bit too, like big, strong, physical receiver, who was not as productive in in college as you like, but, was a little bit of a product of the situation, just bad quarterback play, bad offense overall. Um, so anyways, but yeah, definitely worth a read when you're, when you're looking at either just the draft for fun or am um, trying to find some sleepers in, in dynasty.
1: All right, Danny, let's, let's, let's dive into my, my uh, list of questions I have for you. So <clears throat> for, first off the bat, I'm looking at your big board and I couldn't help but notice you had Justin Fields second mm-hmm. and Zach Wilson sixth. So my counter argument would be, you're wrong. You're just wrong. <laughs> That's bad and you're wrong. And you should feel bad. Zach Wilson's amazing. Justin Fields stinks. Isn't that what everyone's saying? <laughs> Danny Kelly, <clears throat> your rebuttal.
0: My rebuttal would be, imagine fading a player who's you know built and runs like Cam Newton and has incredible accuracy, maybe probably the best accuracy of any quarterback in this class. Like imagine having that guy drop down your draft board. Uh, To me, he is, he's the clear number two behind Lawrence Um, for starters. Number one, I think just because ball placement, accuracy, huge arm, um, you know, he has everything you look for as a passer. There's definitely, um, you know, these concerns that are going around about how he's a slow processor. He takes a lot of sacks. And I think that there's some validity to that, but it's also, a situation where the context you have to look at the context of, you know, he's in an offense where they're asking him to do, you know, they're, they're asking their receivers, first of all, to do like these deeper option route type things. And he's waiting for those plays to come open. So he's, he's, he's doing what they're coaching him to do in some cases. Now that's not every play. And that's, you know, not just a, a blanket excuse for him taking a lot of sacks. I think that's something that he's going to have to um, develop and work on. And, and that will be coached out. But I seen him escape, Pressure many times. In fact, I was just watching uh, Josh Myers, the center for Ohio State, this morning, and it, it was like good reason to go look and watch uh, Fields again. And to me, he's like he's got that escapability. He's got that improvisational skill. And the other thing is, he really reminds me of Cam Newton, not necessarily because of the size, but the way that guys bounce off of him in the in the pocket. Like he just they try and sack him, and they just slide off of him because he's just made out of cement. And um, so he reminds me a little bit of, of Newton in that sense, like the Ben Roethlisberger style guys that can just sit in the pocket, you know, um, have guys bounce off them, keep plays alive, keep, keep, you know, work out of structure, all that stuff. So, you know, I don't, I don't dislike Zach Wilson. We've had this long, like we've had this long sort of inside joke where, uh, you, t- you pretend that I hate Zach Wilson <laughs> and then I try and like tell you, I don't hate Zach Wilson. Um, but it's more like just, I love Justin Fields. And I think Zach Wilson is also really good and also has an extremely high ceiling because of his, his talent Talent as a passer, his talent as an improviser, his talent, um, accuracy down the field, all that stuff. But to me, Justin Fields is just an awesome prospect. And um, the whole idea that he could slide down boards and be the fourth or fifth quarterback taken is just absurd to me. So um, I'll probably go to my grave with that. but And we'll see what happens uh, in this draft if it's always a big, giant smokescreen. He actually ends up on the 49ers. So um, definitely excited to see how that all goes.
1: Yeah, here is why that is. Here is why I give you so much grief. Like fr- from a fantasy perspective, I think it's really easy. You know, the top quarterbacks in this class, it's Trevor Lawrence. Just you know, w- w- when people say he's the best quarterback since John Elway, with maybe Andrew Luck in between, it's just like, yeah. all right, done easy. Uh, and then it's the Konami Code quarterback, so Justin Fields. I mean, four four forty at two hundred twenty eight pounds. Like, yeah. are you kidding me? Like, yeah. game over, easy QB two. Uh, Trey Lance qb3 Zach Wilson qb4 Mac Jones qb5 I mean if he goes to San Francisco yeah. it's just yeah. like what a stacked awesome quarterback class this is but from an NFL perspective uh, I I just admit I don't know anything I, I did a lot of work <laughs> I spent weeks and weeks looking at all the different data I could and and measuring predictability and none of it was worth anything it was all worthless and just basically impossible so I just gave I just gave up on that and what I do now is I just you know, look at the people I trust most in this industry. And I, I make a, you know, basically I, I just take expert consensus. So when mm-hmm. I do that, I see Lance Zierline, Greg Cassell, Daniel, uh, Daniel Jeremiah, like all these guys, Zach Wilson, QB two. And I see mm-hmm. Danny Kelly, QB three. So it'd just be so much easier <laughs> for me to, 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 you know, have everyone on a perfect, consensus. If I didn't go against
0: the green. Yeah.
1: <laughs> but I mean, Hey, Hey, I'm, I'm with you. This, this guy is, Fun as heck, yeah. Uh, but are are you with me that like evaluating quarterbacks is really tough? It's yeah,
0: just really tough. You know, it's it's funny because in I'm do I do a draft guide for the Ringer, and I'm with you. I also read everybody else that I can find just to kind of like get as much knowledge as I can. Broaden my knowledge. I read Dane Brugler. I read Dan, Lance Zierlein. Greg Cosell. Try and pick up on you know <clears throat> the way that they watch the game because I think everybody could still learn, you know, no matter how much of an expert you think you are, like you can still learn like what things are important and how to project that going forward. Um, but at the end of the day, like, honestly, landing spot is important. Coaching situation, sports, sport system around a quarterback is all important. Um, the outcome that we've seen at least so far with Josh Allen and and Justin Herbert has really helped me to have some humility in, in like what I think, translates to the nfl you know what i mean it's just like there's so many variables and they're and it's so difficult to project like for instance josh allen how could you have predicted that he would all of a sudden become very accurate as a passer you know what i mean um or justin herbert who was the clear number three almost like a little bit of a joke like the punchline last year and then he was clearly the top quarterback you know in the rookie class this year he was awesome and so i think to me i've i've I I think I have a much more open mind for the types of things that can translate and the the development that players can make. So I try and keep that in mind. And and when you're doing an evaluation, really the the most you can do is, like you said, try to aggregate as much information as you can. Like you have to take into account the accuracy, um, the opponent strength of schedule, the the tools that he has, all that stuff. But at the end of the day, um, it's almost just like, like useless because it, it like really does matter where they land and in the situation that they're in and how they develop as players and as people. So um, yeah, I'm, I'm kind of with you. I just, I try and do my best that to take all those pieces of information in go with my gut, go with, and for my, for, for me, a lot of it is just like fields. When I was watching, I was like, this guy's going to be a star. And um, I guess you just kind of have to trust all those things and, and take all those things and, and make your, make your rankings and kind of like, you know, keep your fingers crossed. Hopefully, you don't look stupid later.
1: <laughs> I think one of the most important uh, <clears throat> traits for a, a fantasy an- analyst or an NFL a- analyst is being able to incorporate nuance uh, and complexity into your evaluation. And I think I think Greg's one of the best in the game at that. And I think you do that extremely well, and I, I think that's that's all important. It's just like, hey, you know, it. This stuff is hard because it is hard, but yeah. um, at the same time, like. Shout out to the NFL because like, you know, they love Josh Allen when everyone else hated Josh Allen last year with Herbert. <laughs> I know, right? The, the, the Giants said he was their top quarterback in each of the past three draft classes. The, I, I listened to a press conference with uh, the Dolphins and they were like, yeah, you know, Herbert or Tua, you know, it was really close. We like, really like both of those guys. I'm like, dude, you picked that one guy. Why are you like hyping up the other guy? And Chargers said the same thing. You're like, yeah, no, they're both really just really great. But um. But anyway, yeah. I mean, stat class for tools, trades, upside. Fields has it for days. Zach Wilson, incredible arm arm talent. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, does Aaron Rodgers type stuff uh, every once in a while. <clears throat> but let's people, people want to
0: like make yeah. fun of that. The uh, you know like the throw that he made in his pro day, and everyone was like, "Holy shit, look at that throw!" And people want to make fun of it because it's a pro day, and, and I've been in this group like pro days probably shouldn't matter like it, it i know they do for nfl teams it probably do matter um but to me that seems like bad process like why would mm-hmm. the, him like are you going to go to and watch a guy play bump or or horse and and like have yeah. that be part of your evaluation if you're like an nba gm or something like it's ridiculous but <laughs> all that said like that throw that last throw that he made where he like rolled to his left and then basically just like whipped it yeah. it was all upper body it was all like arm tore. It looked exactly like Aaron Rodgers, honestly. And so, um, I was almost just like, damn, that was a really freaking nice throw. It almost did like sort of change my opinion a little bit, um, in his favor. Cause it was just like, damn, that was like a really, really nice throw. Um, that's the kind of things that he can do, you know, on Sundays and, and, you know, when he's rolling out or when he sees, you know, a guy streaking down the field and, and open, like he can hit him in stride, like perfectly. So, um, yeah, it, it was a little bit funny, but I also, did kind of affect me a little bit.
1: <laughs> so so I got on the Zach Wilson hype train really early. Like I think before he was a, a first round prospect, or maybe really late first round. And I was hyping him up. I was gassing him up. I'm like, dude, this guy's so <laughs> fun to watch. Yeah. And I just like knew an NFL team would take him uh top five. And I got trash for it, and I was just like, replying to each tweet vault me vault me vault me and it's because like (laughs) i saw plays like that and i just know like nfl teams are drooling all over themselves just like just that is so sexy and and you know yeah exciting that you're you're gonna fall in love with that that upside that that trait whatever that is um but it's, it was it's like it's like it felt like getting in on bitcoin early. <laughs> so now it's a little out of control. i admit to 60,000 Trevor, <laughs> right?
0: yeah. um you d- i know you were telling me about him early in the process and you're like dude go watch this guy, go watch this guy and then i eventually got around to it and i didn't like him as much as i think you wanted me to. and or at least i wasn't like on the train right away that he's the clear cut QB2 and then he eventually did turn into QB2. um <clears throat> and in some people's minds the qb1 over lawrence which is you know just i think it speaks to his talent his ability to throw off platform all that stuff i i think seth Galina from pff wrote a really interesting article i believe it was him who he said basically like this quarterback class is just about styles like vibes mm. and <clears throat> excuse me and who you like is basically just about vibes like if you like a guy like like wilson who carries it low and and plays out of structure and throws like downfield and all that, like he's your guy. If you like Justin Fields, a big guy who can sit in the pocket and drop back and make, make plays, but also like pick up yards with, with his legs and runs a four, four at 235 pounds or whatever he is. um, Then that's your thing. And, you know, if you, if you like a really quick processor like Mac Jones, like if that's your thing, like it's just your vibes. (laughs) And I think that's actually so true because it, it really just is, it's like a Rorschach test, whatever you like or whatever you're looking for in a quarterback is the guy you're gonna like the most in this class?
1: yeah that that makes a lot of sense and uh, and just like Excuse on me. the on the point with his pro day, okay, Zach Wilson made amazing throws when facing literally zero pressure. That's what he put right. on tape every single right. game but uh but yeah, all right let's let's move on because I, I have a feeling like each question we're just gonna you know for delve, minutes yeah, yeah, delve season. All right, uh, you have Devonta Smith number five overall, just behind Jamar Chase and Kyle Pitts. i want to know where do you stand on the red flags? Where do you stand on the weight and b m i concerns yeah uh, and then and and then just as far as pluses, like what about his tape stood out to you the most
0: so yeah, I think th- to me it's I'm not ignoring the lack of precedent and the lack of um You know, there's there's just not a lot of guys his size or his 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 frame that have panned out in the NFL. But I'm also recognizing that there's not a lot of precedent of guys, his talent level and his skill level that have been his size and played in the NFL. So there's basically like two or three guys that have taken in been taken in the first round that are his that that skinny, essentially. And so um, the track record is spotty and I don't know what we can read into it honestly it's like Marquise Brown and Ted Ginn are the only other two uh-huh. you know sub sub 175 pound or whatever it is uh, guys that have been taken in the first round um, so I, I acknowledge that it is a concern it's one of the biggest red flags about him and you know maybe in five years we look back and like say oh we could have guessed that he'd probably miss you know half the games in his first four years or whatever because you know he's just skinny and, and all that but at the same time Um, there's nothing on tape really that, that worries me a lot. I think, um, he's so good at getting off the line. He's so quick and and slick in his route, running his footwork and his short area quickness and all that stuff, that that combination, it just, he doesn't have problems getting off the line of scrimmage. And, um, I think I saw the stat, like, you know, this is a volume stat, but he, I think he led the NF or led the college football in catches and touchdowns. In, from press coverage so it's not like he's struggling to like get off press coverage or anything like that um I think there are a few plays where you see him get pushed off his route a little bit um, and that's something that you know he'll have to work at and, and maybe that'll be a slight uh, issue in the NFL but at the at the same time like you can line up line him up at z you know have him off the line a little bit if you want to early on and, and ha- having him run routes where he's not necessarily facing like a big six foot two you know, 205 pound corner or something like that in the NFL. And, and honestly, he hasn't really struggled with that in, in college either. He hasn't struggled with injuries in college. Um, he was insanely productive. He's also in a similar way to Kyle. Kyle Pitts is like a unicorn physically. Devonte Smith is, is a unicorn. He has like an incredibly huge wingspan and, and a huge catch radius. And he knows how to use that. Like he goes up and he's good at the catch point, even though he's skinny and, and you know, he's not going to push anybody around. So, <clears throat> so the productiveness, the, um, the skill, just like the overall skill as a route runner, his, uh, you know, his ability to, he has been durable. I don't know how to predict whether someone's going to be durable or not at the next level, but he has been durable in the past. And just the way the game is changing. I think it, it doesn't matter as much if you're, if you're that size, just because they're legislating big hits out of the game. Um, it's just not as common. He's going to be able to go over the middle the field and not get like his head taken off, things like that. Um, and defenders are getting smaller gradually as the game spreads out. So all these like variables together, it, it makes me still very confident that he's going to be a very good receiver in the NFL. And, um I just think he's, he's a really good player and, and we just don't see many guys like him.
1: Yeah. So so to me, the, the BMI thing just is a concern just because the yeah. the hit rates within that threshold are so egregiously bad and the only wide receiver with a, a BMI equal to him or lesser to him who scored at least one fantasy point since 2000 was Todd Pinkston uh, maybe <laughs> okay. Marvin Harrison but my data didn't go back that far I know he, he was skinny too but yeah so really concerning and I, I had to do my pr- post pro day adjustments for my rookie model and I have I have Devonta Smith, wide receiver, too, and I, I really just have to assign an arbitrary, you know, reduction to him. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know where to go with that. The other concern is he didn't run a single event at his pro day, which means, you know, it, it probably wasn't going to be anything, you know, wowing you, something that right. could potentially hurt his draft stock. Um, the other concerns, like, dynasty people have is, oh, well, he wasn't. He played for four years, and four-year wide receivers, you know, typically bust, and the, the reason that is – is because, you know, they didn't get a draftable grade as a junior, so they went back to school. And like, if you don't get a draftable grade as a junior, you're probably not that good, even if you have this like amazing, you know, senior season beating up on guys who are two years younger. But I, I don't think that applies at all to Devonta Smith, just because per sources, the GM committee had a consensus round two grade on him mm-hmm. with plenty of teams who had round one grades per yeah. sources. Yeah, I'm just I'm just flexing right now that I've sources.
0: I love that, and I was I was gonna ask you that follow up because I I was even talking about this on uh, my podcast, the Ring of Fantasy Football show. I was like, I think some teams w- would have liked him over some of the, like Rugs or even Judy potentially. Should have, yeah.
1: I, I I liked him way more. Than, I had I had Rugs as like my thirteenth wide receiver in the class uh, pre-pro day, and then pro <laughs> yeah. day like maybe wide receiver eight or seven, but. Um, and yeah, you just look at the numbers. Like you look at the top yards per route run seasons by Alabama wide receivers of the last three years, you know, Henry Ruggs doesn't have a single season in the top eight. And like the, the top four is all Devonta and and Judy, uh, well actually Waddle was a beast too, but, um, yeah. Yeah. And then the other concern is late breakout age, but I, I don't know what your thresholds are in the industry, you know, I'm talking to dynasty people, but by my age adjusted stuff, he was great. And like people sleep on his 2019 season. I have that as the fourth best season by any wide receiver, um, in this class chase, uh, 2019 one Devonta 2022 Elijah 2023. Um, and then basically like a, a tie between like a bunch of Bateman seasons and Devonta's 2019, but he, he, he was a beast by like, all the stats that, that matter yeah. to me, my model. Um, I think, let's, yeah. let's say,
0: I think, yeah. we, I, so just to real quick to like talk about all those, those factors. Like, no, I, I'm actually like a big believer in breakout age and, and um, you know, all that stuff. I, I definitely look at it all, but I also think it's one of those things where, um, you know, some people just say, don't chase outliers. And I get that. And I, I, you know, if that's the way that you want to go about it, I totally get that. I'm not like trying to convince people to be like, Oh, fuck it, go for it. But I will say there's a lot of context needed when it comes to like Devonte Smith in particular, because um, you know, the fact that uh, he was in Alabama where Saban doesn't really play freshman ever. And when he did play, he caught like the game winning touchdown in the national title game. You know what I mean? Like yeah. he did pretty well in that play. So it, not that it's not, you know, not that that necessarily says, you know, he would have done this all year if he had been playing, but I, I'm just saying like, there's that context. He was on a team with, you know, a bunch of future first rounders um at receiver and, and a second rounder at, at tight end. You know, there's all this there's there's all these pieces of context that you have to add into the evaluation and it muddies the it it's just not a black and white situation with him in terms of like breakout age and and everything like that we typically would look at with a with a prospect. Um so to me that's why I like I just took him in the DFB invitational because I think at the end of the day and I got him at like 11 or 12, you know what I mean? He fell a little bit um, and this is a very sharp league, but at the end of the day, to me that felt like a good, good value because um, you know, all that context that we were talking about, I think that he still has the potential to basically be the outlier that we all think he could be.
1: Yeah. Context nuance. Like I said, he's also only 12 days older than Waddle and like people give Waddle a yeah. big breakout age score and like, all right, he hit his career high as a as a freshman and like then he, he, he played behind he was a second string wide receiver both of his first two years. Like what, what are you what are you doing at that point? But um I mean Waddle's an interesting guy to talk about too because like he did play behind um, Jerry Judy. Like I, I do so people think he's an outside he could play outside. I think he's slot only. Like ninety nine percent of his production came in the slot. You know, he was he was he fourth in routes run. Uh, each of his first two seasons, and so like models are going to miss in a guy like this because it, the production really wasn't there. You could factor in, you know, potentially four top fifteen pick wide receivers, all that stuff, but like the production really wasn't there. But the efficiency was absurd. Mm-hmm. And, like all the good efficiency stats, like yards per route run, my favorite stat, depth adjusted yards per target. And then I'm not a tape guy, but just like watching it on tape, oh my god, this guy is so much fun. <laughs> so I want right. so to know where. You, your thoughts on Waddle? I love
0: Waddle, and I he he's a slight tier below Smith for me. But and, and maybe it is because like I just don't see him playing all three positions necessarily. Um, but he's he's really interesting because he's extremely fast, obviously. But he's also like a physical um, playmaker at the catch point. He's he's very good after the catch. Like he's explosive after the catch. Turns into almost like a running back after the catch. So imagine. Um, you know, guy with say Michael Hardman's speed, but like actually a really good football player kind of deal. Like that's like what we're dealing with here. Um, I think Hardman ended up being overdrafted and, and, you know, he just hasn't developed yet. But, um, I think that Waddle is really, really fast tracks the ball. Well, wins at the catch point and can get yards after the catch. So, um, but I, I do have like the same concerns as you. It's like, he is an older prospect, um, and, and again, we have to like use the context and he got injured in his last season. He was actually outproducing Devonte Smith in the first four games. He was like their number one guy through four games. Um, so do you extrapolate that and, and say this was going to be his huge, like Heisman trophy season, or is it just like sort of a small sample size, uh thing that you have to kind of consider as you're, as you're thinking about drafting him? I, I to me, it's still J- a chase Smith and then waddle. But, um, I mean, I, I don't necessarily blame people for liking Waddle a little bit more. I, I think he's just really talented, and it's going to be really fun to see how he gets used in the NFL because I think he has, like, the speed and ability to get off the line to play outside. But like you said, um, most of his production was on the inside.
1: Yeah, you know who's a – what you said to me via DM a, a few weeks ago is, like, he's an unreal angle beater. You know who's also yeah, yeah. an unreal angle beater? Is super fast, phenomenal at the catch point despite his size. Uh, electric after the catch. That's Tyreek Hill, and that's yeah. that's who he's getting count to. I, what do I, I wonder? So I think in fantasy, like Devonta, I think has more PPR upside. Or am I just pigeonholing him into this like like oh elite speedster Deshaun Jackson type efficiency production?
0: It's so tough. I'm with you. I think so. Like I like Devontae Smith a little bit more. And maybe that's just because I think he can play outside. I think he can um, be a team's number one receiver. I don't really, I I don't, I, I, I see the stylistic comp to Tyreek, but I would say, I don't know if he's, I don't think he's quite as explosive or jittery in the short area as Tyreek. Like nobody, nobody is. I mean, that's the thing is like, everybody's been compared to Tyreek over the last four or five years and, or however long, three years. And, and Isabella, God, yeah, and we fell for that, by the way, in one of our leagues. <laughs> <laughs> um, for yeah, to pull the pull the curtain back. Scott and I share like we have two teams right now, right or three? I can't remember, but um, uh, two, I believe two. It, and we took I don't know where we took Isabella, but that one's not working out for us. Um, but yeah, I but think, I think it's, it, it's one of those things where. I don't want to comp him to Tyreek, and I don't think he is Tyreek, but he is also, he, he stylistically is very similar in the sense that, like you said, you know, they have a lot of a um, attributes that are similar. I just don't think he's quite as explosive, but again, nobody is.
1: All right, so I, I'm, I'm looking at your your rankings right now. And you got Jamar Chase, wide receiver one, Devonta Smith, Jalen Waddle, wide receiver three, and then it gets interesting. Yeah, Rashad <laughs> Bateman, four. Elijah Moore five terrorist Terrace Marshall six Ron Moore mm-hmm. seven Kadarius Tony eight um, is that the order you think you'd take them in rookie drafts
0: yes I think I would I, I, I think I might even take a couple other guys over Tony in 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 dynasty in fantasy um I think Tony is a very—he's a tough case because he's terrible analytically, right? Like he—he's a late breakout old prospect, um, and then I, like on tape, on tape he's a little bit worrisome to me too, just because he—he—he's um, just not polished as a route runner at all, and so it could take a little bit of time for him to develop. But I do think he's one of those players, and the reason I have him. Um, where I do have him is he is a player that I think can be very dangerous in the right situation and, you know, get the ball in his hands. And he's incredible after the catch, like rare after the catch. Um, So I think that's kind of like why, why I have him there, but he's also, I'm a little bit dubious about him as a, as a fantasy prospect. So I I probably would take Deami Brown and Tylen Wallace over him in, in, and I think I have been in, in rookie drafts so far, but I think, like in terms of just like, I, I, I'm i not necessarily, these aren't like my fantasy ranks, but it, it kind of, it matches for the most part. Um, but I think I would have Tony a little bit lower in fantasy ranks.
1: So he definitely seems special on tape to me. I remember saying, I've never seen a guy move like that. And I think you responded or, or one of my other, you know, good film buddies responded. You never seen a guy move like that. I've never seen a guy move like that. <laughs> We're like, I said, he, ha- he must have like adamantium ACLs. I think Lance <laughs> had a better, better line. He had a uh, Mr. Elastics. Yeah. ACL, something like that. We're just like the moves he made. we like, he just cuts on a dime. Then his like knee bends and is like an yep. inch off the grass. And he just immediately goes the complete opposite direction. And just like, so fun, man. So mm-hmm. fun. So special. You said analytically he stinks. Right. <clears throat> and I think that might be true. Uh, but the reason for that is, okay. He was a quarterback all throughout high school Yeah, and play the position. And in his first three years, he wasn't a starter, right? He was kind of like wildcat ish. I
0: think they had him listed as an times. athlete. Yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Utility, whatever. And so if I treated him like a Juco prospect, like, right. like Hollywood Brown, I think he would rank, you know, super, super high on my model. I actually have to, I have to run that, but that's interesting. So, so I think the upsides, I think the upsides there, man, like, you know, he only had one season as a starting wide receiver, but he was awesome, right? Yeah, So
0: I, I'm with you. I think, you know, and that's why I have him ranked where I have him is, is, like you said, he's a really fun player to watch. He's really, really explosive. He's chaotic in every way. He's chaotic because he's not necessarily where he needs to be at all times in, in, in the route. He, he kind of does freelancing and whatnot. Um I've also noticed like he's tends to like be stumbling and falling almost all the time when he's running, he somehow manages to stay on his feet every time, but it's, it's just a chaotic situation. Um, But that being said, I mean, the production last year was very impressive. He was, you know, along with Pitts like a go-to guy in that offense, he was getting deep, like slot fades. Um, They were giving him the ball, you know, on, on sweeps and things like that. And he was making, making people miss. So, yeah, I like him. I think, you know, the first time I liked him, the first time I watched him, I was like, this guy's awesome. And then I think as I watched him more, I was like, OK, so I can see why there might be some concerns. But there's like you. I, I would say he's probably at this point in the consensus wide receiver four, like among, um, you know, NFL draft analysts. You know, at least I know I think Dane and, and Lance both have him as the wide receiver four. So, you know, he's obviously very talented. I think he's probably going to be a first round pick. Um, but. If I'm betting on an outlier, I, I think this is where I land. It's like, if I'm betting on an outlier this year, it's Devontae Smith and not Tony, if that makes any sense. And I don't know, I don't know, I don't know if necessarily want to buy into both of those guys. So maybe that's just me protecting, you know, myself a little bit by not buying into like multiple outliers in the same season, if that makes sense.
1: Yeah. So, so I mean... The NFL apparently loves him. All the talent evaluators love him. The dynasty community hates him. He's right now he's a <laughs> yep. wide receiver ten. I have him eight, just because, like, yo, I'm I'm not afraid to, to just to defer to the NFL. And then we know draft capital is like one of the most predictive variables. Just like you have all this invested in a prospect. You want him to succeed. You need him to succeed. You don't want right. to look bad. Right. He's gonna get the opportunities to develop. He's going to get second, third chances.
0: If you take him in the first round, you have a plan for him too, in theory. So that that's like also a big bonus. Like if he, if he goes in the fourth round, it's like, Oh, we like him. Let's get him involved on special teams. If you take him in the first round, it's like, okay, this guy's a featured part of our offense. So I think that's why, especially with his case, like first round capitals can be big.
1: Uh, LaVisca Chennault is, is the player that, that, that keeps popping up in my mind. Not to say they're, they're very similar but it's just in the sense that he had a lot of concerns coming out, but a lot of upside. He was mm-hmm. sort of raw as a route runner. He was like vaguely positionless uh, at certain points uh, yep. in his yep. career. And so I, I loved him. I was really optimistic. And he had the draft capital, but what, what, where he landed was a li- with a lame duck head coach. And I just knew a new regime was coming in. And once that new regime comes in, it's like, okay, the, the draft capital thing goes out the window. You don't care as much yep. if if he hits or busts because that's that other guy's problem now. And you have to think that the coach who drafted him is like, oh, I know exactly how to use him. I'm going to get him on these sweeps. I'm going to get him these manufactured touches. And with the new regime, like, who's to say that's going to happen? So right, I think right. that's something to keep in mind with with Tony. Uh, people don't really think about that too much, but like, if it's if it's you know like a rock solid head coach who ha- has his job on lock, you know that's that's going to be important to him. I think.
0: Yeah, for sure. I'm with you. And I think if he does land in a good situation, he will probably, my opinion of him, he'll he'll go up in like my ranks or whatever in terms of dynasty and, and rookie drafts. All right.
1: So what's interesting to me about this wide receiver class is that there are a ton of undersized wide receivers. Rondale uh, yeah. Moore, super tiny, uh, t- short. I mean, 2-2 uh, Atwell, Devonta <laughs> Smith, super skinny. Um, and then there's a ton of slot only wide receivers, at least like according to me, Jamar Chase outside, Devonta Smith probably slot early in his career. I think he can play both mm-hmm. Waddle people are on the fence, Bateman outside, but then you know Elijah Moore slot, Terrace Marshall probably outside, and that 's why he 's going to get drafted. You know, well, he I'm was a
0: slot person. guy in college though, which is the interesting thing. I think oh, it's all like right. like a, most of his routes for, were from the slot that doesn't mean he can 't play outside, but again, this is like where it gets a little bit muddy.
1: But, but, uh, Dale slot, uh, mm-hmm. Tony slot, um, uh, St. Brown slot, Tylen Wallace. Yeah. I think slot. Well, Tylan so, played
0: outside. Um, but I oh, think right, there's some right. concerns that he had, like the, one of the more major concerns, I guess, is his ability to like get off the line of scrimmage. He can get like held up a little bit and push, push around a little bit, um, just delayed off the line of scrimmage. And so maybe I think some teams are maybe thinking, oh, he's a Z or a slot and he's not big. He's like sub 200 pounds. So um, I think with uh, Tylon Wallace, there's a little bit of concern there too, but he was primarily outside, I believe in college.
1: So, so my question for you is what the heck does this mean? Because I, I had a thread that like went pseudo viral last year where it was just like, riffing on running backs don't matter. It's just hashtag spot <laughs> wide receivers don't matter. And it's, it, yeah. it clearly has become a devalued position. In the NFL, they're not paid anywhere near as much as outside wide receivers. It's a fairly replaceable uh, position. I just, I mean, like look at what Bill Belichick has done year after year with guys drafted seventh round or un- right. completely undrafted, you know, athleticism has like is, is almost irrelevant in the slot or at least historically, like all these different factors. And then also, you know, so many talent evaluators say it's so tricky to evaluate a college slot wide receiver because there's no sticky nickel corners who press in college and there's just so much room to work and all these other things. So like, do we just treat that as a big red flag or is it just like, Oh my God, you know, the Moors are incredible. You know, Waddle is (laughs) incredible. (laughs) Just, uh, are we, or, or is the NFL going to be in desperate need of nickel cornerbacks in a few years? Or do you think we're right to kind of like, you know, bump these guys down just a tidbit for, for being slot only tight? I
0: think, yeah. I mean, it, that's a tough question because every situation is a little bit different, but I mean, it is, I think it's more difficult. Like you said, to play on the outside, you have to have a, a, a more complete skill set, and, you know, having a slot only guy, it's like a more replaceable position. Um, it's arguably easier to play because like you said, they're just getting off the line easily. You don't have to get off press generally speaking and um, you know, all that stuff. But at the same time, like there's teams, teams are primarily three receiver sets now, right? That's like the the standard everybody's running through receivers out there. More receivers are getting involved in the offense, generally speaking across the NFL. So like this with having three receivers as your standard formation for most teams, Um, it gives these guys the opportunity to have a lot of production and have a lot of, um, like a big role in the offense. And so from, from a PPR point of view, um, I don't know what your research said in terms of PPR, but it seems like these guys are actually in pretty good position to get a lot of looks because they're sort of on those easy routes over the middle, like drop, like, um, you know, not check downs necessarily, but get the ball out quickly, RPOs, things like that. Um, it seems like these guys are still going to be big factors in, in fantasy.
1: Yeah, so so in my model, like I I could have you know, you know, dinged slot wide receiver uh, types, and I chose not to. I, like the the reasoning for it would be okay. The NFL has devalued this position, so lesser draft capital. But I I mean I don't know. Like from a fantasy perspective, like there are a ton of hyper productive slots for fantasy yeah. where you know they're just racking up targets, and that's so valuable. And specifically, two wide receivers in that that class. Uh, jumped out to me, Elijah Moore, uh, slot only sure, but uh, like amazing hands. He had the most yards from scrimmage per game of any college wide receiver since at least 2000. And I think maybe ever, maybe, maybe ever. And then his (laughs) his 2019 season was absurd. He had like 850 yards and the next closest wide receiver had like 190. And he was, he was super young that season. So I I love this guy. He averaged 10.4 receptions per game last year like is he not just a ppr cheat code yeah and then the same thing could be said for for Rondale moore who um i don't know he had like 120 catches as a 19 year old and by career receptions per game since 2000 only one wide receiver ranks ahead of him that's Devonte adams geez so that's yeah. sexy ppr cheat code <laughs> what, what are we saying danny
0: yeah so what, what we got in the Moors. So Dude. on the moor, I love both the moors. I, I really love Elijah Moore. Um, I think Ben Fennel on Twitter was pointing this out, and I, it was like one of the things that really like stuck out to me about him is he just catches everything so easily, like so naturally. He can he can be running on like a really like a sharp crossing route, like a either a a post or like just a flat like over route or whatever, and um, he doesn't like have to gear down. It doesn't even barely look like he's paying attention to the football. It's just there. He gets it and he keeps going. He doesn't like change his speed. He doesn't gear down. He doesn't like fight the football. He doesn't double clutch it. It's just in his midst, And then he's on the, he's on his way. And that's so important for, you know, for a slot receiver over the middle field, because like you're in traffic, you know, the ball is coming at you. A lot of times you're like coming back towards the quarterback in some cases. And um, I don't know if you've ever gone out and like tried to catch a football when you're like running perpendicular to where the ball is going. It's like, it's hard, man. Like it's not an easy, it's not like it's lofting up over the shoulder and just drifting like a feather into your hands. Like it's coming at you hard and you have to have good hand-eye coordination. You know, you have to have um, the ability to catch a ball in traffic. And so, I don't know. He just like impressed me a lot with his hands and his, his focus and his ability to like just catch a ball and keep going and like not gear down very, very athletic, very, um, you know, jittery in the short area also used in, in the backfield as like a running back, same with Rondale. Um, and I think the question with Rondale more is, is like the size thing. He's very, very short. Um, but I did, you know, there's, there's plenty of instances on tape, at least what I saw where he was getting deep and he was running vertical routes. So that's really exciting to me. Um, And I guess the only reason I have Elijah Moore slightly higher is like the, the history of injury concerns. I guess the, the last two years we haven't really seen more play very much Um, Rondell Moore. And, and, you know, I guess Elijah Moore, like you said, it was like stupidly productive last year. So I guess that like gave him a slight bump. Um, But I like both of these guys. And I think there's a place for both of them in the NFL, just because um, you know, every NFL team wants a guy who's explosive um, can pick up yards after the catch and it's dependable catching the football and, and just like, you know, being one of those guys that the defense kind of has to know where you are at all times.
1: Yeah. It's, it's interesting. Actually, that's the reason why I, I think I had, or one of the reasons why I like Elijah more than Ron Dale at this point is because, you know, he led uh, college football in deep receiving yards per game last year and he ran a four three five forty. And I, so I, I think there's like, I think he can be that PPR cheat code, but I also think there is some Tyler Lockett, mm. maybe early career T.Y. Hilton to his game. Whereas with with Rondale Moore, like you did see him have success uh, running the go route and, and you know getting vertical, but only thirteen percent of his career catches came ten plus yards down the field. Elijah Moore was at thirty four percent. You want to just talk a little bit about Rondale just because, like, I think he's so so, so interesting. where like. He had the the maybe the best age nineteen season ever by yeah. any wide receiver, and they yeah. dealt with injuries. And my comps for him, we talked about some of this, like a Kryptonian Cole Beasley. Uh, <laughs> if Secretariat was a Shetland pony, you, you help I me with that one. That one. <laughs>
0: yeah, that's a, a good one. A,
1: a smaller and less complete, but more athletic Steve Smith. You know. West Welker potential from a fantasy perspective. If
0: Secretariat was a Shetland pony, is like incredible.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, you get you get co-author credits on that one. Yeah.
0: I think you said well, you said miniature horse, and I just made it more specific. You 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 got that one. Um, no, I think yeah, Rondell Moore is a very interesting one. He reminded me a little bit of Debo Samuel, but more explosive. Where you know at least most of the time they were trying to like scheme up looks for him, like, right. Like screens and arounds um, quick game stuff behind line of scrimmage or near the line of scrimmage and and then letting him use his explosive athleticism to, to make things, you know, make big plays. And he is a rare athlete and those are the kind of guys you want to bet on. You know, like he's just, he's an extremely, extremely rare athlete. I heard he was dunking as a five foot seven high schooler, you know, that kind of athlete. He reminds me of Nate Robinson, but playing football. And, um, so these are the kind of guys you want to bet on. I, I really hope that the, the hamstring issues that he's had the last couple of seasons aren't like a long-term thing. I don't think they, you know, not likely to be, but it's, it's the one thing that's a little bit concerning. Um, and I mean, at the
1: same time, this guy was probably told when he was 19 years old, you're going to be a first round pick. Like I kind of don't think I'd really knock him too much for like, you know, taking it easy. Right. You know, <laughs> don't really push it. For injuries. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, yeah, so I, I don't know. I think he's he's a hard one to to, pre- to predict right now before we know his landing spot and his draft capital. Like I saw um I think I sent a text uh, a tweet to you. Lant Zerlane said he's like in the 3rd or 4th round range. Um I think I think he's maybe a little bit higher than that and we'll see where it goes in like second round. Um, but it's not looking right now, at least that he's like, he's going to be a first round pick. So, um, this draft is just gonna be weird. So we don't really know how anything is going to go. But, um, if he lands on a team that like we, like we were talking about with Tony, where he's going to be a featured weapon in the offense and someone that they really want to feature and and make a big part of what they're doing, then I love that. Um, but if he falls a little bit, third round, fourth round, then it starts to be a little bit worrisome where, you know, he's, he's maybe just going to be. Um, like a slot guy or like a, a gadget player. But um, I think that would be a mistake if teams saw him that way, because I think he can definitely be like a featured playmaker.
1: Yeah. I think landing spot is key. You <laughs> actually helped me with this. I, I mocked him to green Bay. Yeah. That's a good round. one. And, and part of the reasoning there was like, okay, the, Small catch radius is a big concern, but not really a big concern when you have the most accurate quarterback in football throwing you the ball. right? And then, you know, he's going to help take pressure off of Devontae Adams. He's going to just like, you know, rack up first downs. I, I, there's a smart coach there who I think can get him the manufacture <clears throat> touches he needs. Yep. So I think that would be awesome for both NFL and fantasy. Uh, we're, we're running late on time. Uh, as you know, I should have expected with, with you as the guest, you know, I could talk to you for like eight hours. Uh, one thing I wanted to say was like, really did want to give you props for just being like the goat at player comps. Some <laughs> of yours were <laughs> Zach Wilson is Baker Mayfield mixed with Henry Rowengartner. Kyle Pitts is Darren Waller mixed with Michael Phelps. Devonta <laughs> Smith is Apollo Ono with, mixed with a skinnier Calvin Ridley. Uh, Kadarius Tony is, is Nightcrawler. Mixed with uh, Percy Harvin. Uh, just a quick funny aside. I comped uh, when Buddha Baker was coming out, I comped him to Tyron Matthew mixed with the Nightcrawler just because he like teleports <laughs> yes. to the ball, wherever yeah, the yeah. ball is. And then Tyron Matthew unfollowed me for that. That was my most treasured what? follow. And he unfollowed <laughs> me within a week of that. I oh, was man. Uh, so, so heartbroken. Was he just like, uh, how
0: dare you compare me to this peasant? <laughs> or what was yeah, it Yeah,
1: and what's funny is Jim Nagy had a tweet literally today that said there, there are no player comps for Tyron Matthew. He's one of a kind and like Tyron Matthew's was like that's damn right, stuff. And then Arizona Arizona yeah. replaced him with Budabaker, Baker. So it's like, hey, I mean, I think it's a pretty common. It's
0: like not like a weird comp. It, it's pretty it's pretty like spot on actually. So <clears throat> I don't know. Players players are uh, like the the star players at least are a little bit like psychotic about you know, thinking they're the best player to ever play. And that's probably why they're so good because they have that mindset. Um, yeah. But thank you. I appreciate that. Some of these are just like half jokey, obviously, with with Henry right. Ryan Gartner, rookie of the year, breaks his arm, can throw 101 mile an hour gas. And, and that's kind of like Zach Wilson looks like he's 13 years old and, you know, can throw <laughs> 50 yards like across his body. Um, Devontae Smith, the Paul Oda one came to me the other day because I always like was tr- – I, I have like this ongoing bit on Twitter that's basically like describing how people run. And Devontae Smith runs to me like a short track speed skater. He's just like he corners like on a dime and he's so smooth mm-hmm. and it doesn't really look like he's even like he he's like doesn't look like he's making the effort. He's like blowing past these like round one corners. Um so anyways, I thought I thought of that one just cause Apollo Ono, he's also a local guy, but Olympic legend. Um, and then, yeah, the, the Nightcrawler one's pretty self-explanatory. Tony just like, he, he'll go into a pile of guys, like three or four guys around him. And all of a sudden, like two seconds later, he emerges from the, from the scrum is like scot free and just like going downfield. So, um, that's a little bit, well, that was like where I got that one.
1: All right. L- last one. Uh, we can try and keep this somewhat, somewhat quick, but, uh, I just wanted to kind of walk through the the first few picks of the, the NFL draft and just get your mm. thoughts on like how you think things are going to play out. Yeah. I think, I think 101 is super easy. It's Trevor Lawrence, right? Yep. Done. All right. Number two, everyone knows it's Zach Wilson. yeah Right. All right. And so the three is super interesting. It could be, <laughs> could be anything. I want to know like, so you would take fields, but what do you think yeah. they're going to do?
0: This is so, this is impossible to answer for me because I have such Con- like contradicting thoughts on it i think it's gonna be mac jones and i and like if it's like 51 percent versus 49 percent, that i think it's a smokescreen like a very elaborate smokescreen like they're almost making it too obvious that they love mac jones it's almost like too many people are reporting that it's mac jones it almost makes it unbelievable um but at the end of the day adam Schefter is reporting it like, am yeah, I going to be like Adam real. Schefter? Doesn't know what he's talking about, <laughs> you know yeah. what I mean? He's like the the most plugged in guy, who's very, very rarely incorrect on things like this. And he's saying it would shock him if it wasn't Mac Jones. So, I don't know.
1: The, the Chris Sims thing too. Like Kyle Shanahan literally has his initials tattooed <laughs> on his body.
0: Yeah, that's Chris bizarre. Sims likes Mac, Mac Jones. Yeah, and like what what is know, but- so? Like, what would Chris Sims benefit from spending two months? you know, standing for Mac Jones and explaining to everybody why Mac Jones is perfect for this situation and then have it be someone else, you know, um, yeah. <clears throat> if they really are good friends, it seems like, it seems like you wouldn't be just taking one for, for Shanahan. Like, I don't know, maybe they are that good of friends, but like, that seems like a big risk for, uh, Chris Sims to like basically go on a limb and, and, lie and, and potentially hurt his reputation as an analyst, just to like give Shanahan a smokescreen. Um, I don't know. I don't know how far he'd go for that, but, yeah. It just, it everything is pointing to Mac Jones. There's this really like nagging feeling in the back of my, back of my mind that's saying, this is obviously a ruse. It's obviously a smokescreen and they're obviously going to take Justin Fields, but I don't know. If, I don't think that's actually correct. I think they're going to take Mac Jones.
1: And what do you do for fantasy? Like, imagine you're in a super flex rookie draft. It's like rank the quarterbacks. Like, this is the ideal, ideal situation. Justin Fields is, you know, let's say hypothetically sitting behind Matt Ryan for two years. Trey Lance is yeah. uh, Detroit, yeah. which is tanking. I don't know. And it's just like, what do you do?
0: The So if you're doing it before the draft, obviously, which is what a lot of our leagues do. Um, I actually had the opportunity the other day to draft Mac Jones at like, I don't know, it was like 10 and I traded back instead and or 12 or 11. And I was just like, I don't know, because number one, we don't know 100 percent that he's going to the 49ers. I think best case scenario, he goes to the 49ers, and then from there, if he did, if he is a 49er, what's his ceiling in that offense? Um, I would say it's like you look at Matt Ryan's MVP season is like this is the platonic ideal of what he could do, but year in and year out, is he going to do that? I don't think so. Even if he is, even if he does turn out to be like a really good like quarterback they're still insanely run heavy um you know one of the more run heavy teams in the nfl i don't know i I, so so basically what i'm saying is i i'm I'm still not really ready to go on a limb and take mac jones um i would rather risk it you know i i like justin fields and and trey lance still because both of those guys there's like uh the broncos are still out there um the Washington or new England are like pretty not favorites necessarily, but like they're, they're rumored to both want to trade up and maybe get a quarterback. And those, I think those would both be good landing spots. Like if Justin Fields ended up in Washington, that's like cam 2.0 in my mind. Um, so that would be really interesting. And then if he ended up in Denver, then you got, you know, you have uh Judy Cortland Sutton Fant, Albert O a really good, like offensive, um, Landing landing spot there for him and, and system support system. So I think I'm still really high. Even if Jones is number three pick, I mean this this may be like super obvious, but I'm still way higher on Trey Lance and Justin Fields.
1: Okay, that's that's good to know. I will just say I don't know that I think that the 49ers are so run heavy by design rather than by necessity. Like, I <laughs> right, think right. Shanahan's smart enough to know it's like a super you know pass heavy league, and like that's why they moved up to make this pick. And by the same token, it's like Uh, if you look at the leaders by yards per attempt over the past few seasons, uh, Nick Mullins and Jimmy Garoppolo are both in like the top six. Right. Right. I mean, you could, you could have like a 0.4 a dot and still average like six yards per attempt when you have (laughs) the greatest yards after the catch monsters and in Debo, IU Kittle. Yep. Um, That's good to know. Good to know. All right. Real quick for Falcons, do they take Kyle Pitts? where it's just, Julio Ridley, yeah, Pitts, and just like, oh my God, do they trade down? Do they take a quarterback? What what do you What do you What 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 do you think they should do? What do you think they do?
0: I think they should take Kyle Pitts. Well, should is a very difficult question because there's a lot of variables here. Number one, there's a new coaching staff, new GM. uh They just redid Matt Ryan's contract. And so he's basically, you know, more or less stuck there for two years. I mean, you could you could get away with doing one year, but it'd be a huge cap hit. And you'd have to like, you'd have to eat like $40 million or something in dead cap. So um, in in reality, they're probably going to have Matt Ryan for two more years. I think if you're a new coach and a new GM and you want to compete right away, you still have Julio in the waning years of his contract. I think you go get pits. I think that's what you do. And then you compete right away and you can worry about quarterback next year or the year after there's always bridge quarterbacks out there especially it seems like more common now that you can find a bridge quarterback Um, and then go with that like you're drafting and I'm preaching to the choir here but like a a generational prospect at tight end a, a stud and maybe one of the best if not the best player non quarterback player in this draft so I think they should take pits I think there's a pretty good chance they take pits um, but they're also very much connected to quarterbacks. And now there's reports out here that they're listening to, to offers for number four. So they might trade back and it all be moot, but um, yeah, I think they should take pits. I, I would be excited to see if they took uh, Justin Fields. Cause I think fields would be a great fit in the Arthur Smith, like offense, but it would suck to have to wait two years to see it. <laughs> it would suck a lot. So I don't, I hope that doesn't yeah. happen.
1: Yeah, I, I mean, I don't know how Arthur Smith passes on this guy. You know, former tight end coach. Uh, in 2015, right. the Lady Walker was on pace for 100 catches or over 100 catches. And Kyle Pitts, yeah, I mean, listeners to the show know how madly in love I am with Kyle Pitts. And, like, that seems like an ideal landing spot. Whereas, like, you know, Bengals, Dolphins, Lions aren't quite as sexy. Um, no. what, if, what? All right, so let's say it goes Trevor, Zach, the uh mac hits what do the Bengals do
0: this one's very difficult because i guess like the most obvious and um best fit i guess would be to go like Penny sewell and just fix that offensive line and all that um but i mean i i definitely can see the argument and i and i like to picture picture this happening jamar chase going there reuniting with burrow his top pass catcher have chase and higgins on the outside like you have this trio for the next four or five years um and that would be incredible for their offense like it, it would immediately make them you know one of the top tier i think skill position groups in the nfl in terms of you have higgins boyd and then jamar chase and in, in that offense plus Mixon. that is an incredible skill position group um oh, yeah. which we've seen like skill position groups can absolutely elevate a quarterback just takes pressure off the quarterback. However, having a good offensive line also very, you know, correlated to quarterback play. So I don't know where I land. You know, I think the fantasy mind in me really hopes to go chase and then just get like a tackle or guard in the next round and like continue to build their offensive line that way. Um, But I could also just, See them easily going Sewell, and and you know having their offensive line kind of locked down for the next few years.
1: Yeah, I'm with you. They did make some, I know tackle signings, and I think they are weaker at guard, which you know, I yeah, really get that in round two or something. All right, so let's say they take Chase. I I actually think that the chances are pretty good.
0: I, that's and, where it's like pointing to me. Yeah. All
1: right, so so you reunite Chase with Burrow at 105. Mm-hmm. Do you reunite Tua with Devonta Smith at 106, or do they have yeah. to just? Go Penny Sewell or I wouldn't put it past them. I think they could flip this pick around. If this plays out exactly like this, I think we could see a team try like the Patriots mm-hmm. or the Broncos or the bears try and trade it for a quarterback. And then they resell this pick at a profit from what they paid with the the Eagles. But, yeah. but yeah. what do you think they do? And what do you think they should do?
0: Yeah, I, I'm absolutely with you. I think they move back up to six because that is the catbird seat at Sweet that spot. Man. You know what I mean? It's like they, they see themselves having a lot of leverage there. Um, And, you know, obviously with Deshaun Watson having all these lawsuits right now, he's maybe not tradable, but I think they also want to keep that, you know, as an eventual or a potential thing that they could do. They still have the power to go up and if they wanted to, and if, if, you know, things develop in the way that they can do this, they, they still maybe would be in the Deshaun Watson trade market. So I think that's why they went back up to six is to give themselves the leverage to do a lot of different things. They could either sit there and take a pick. They could trade back, like you said, make a make a profit and make the Eagles look dumb for trading back so early. <laughs> that's
1: pretty easy in recent draft classes.
0: <laughs> yeah. And then or they can use that to, you know, maybe go after Watson or, or another quarterback on the open market or, or trade market or whatever. And so um I think that's why they did it. They just wanted to have that leverage. I think the other thing that I think is interesting, it might not be Devontae Smith, it might be Waddle here. It feels like there's a lot of wins sort of going in the waddle direction for whatever reason i've seen a lot of a lot of people connecting waddle to them in this spot which i think would be a mistake but because well l- let me rephrase that i think i like Devonte smith more i think he's a better player but waddle might actually be a better fit for what they have in their offense right now because they got they got the two big guys on the outside Devonte parker um preston williams not necessarily like those guys long term there but jalen waddle coming in and playing alongside I mean, parker play that role and Will Fuller. Yeah. Will Fuller is like an outside guy. Um, so, oh, right, right. you know, like having, having a guy that can come in and, and give them another dynamic speedster in the middle of the field, you got Fuller on the outside, you got Devontae Parker and Preston Williams on the outside. You got Gasicki, like who's, you know, he's athletic, but he's not like a speedster. And so like, I could see them saying, seeing Waddle and be like, yeah, he could really make our offense dynamic. Um, but I, I, I think either, Devontae Smith or Waddle makes sense because you're reuniting with Tua. The reu- this is the reunite the re what is it? Uh, reunion the, part? Yeah, reunion. Sorry, <laughs> I couldn't think of the word. Reunion party for yeah. for Chase and Waddle or Smith.
1: I think I think it's funny too because uh, Smith and Waddle both th- threw Tua under the bus, where they were like, "No, <laughs> oh, Mac Jones better." Yeah. It's like people people are like, they're going to hype up their guy so he gets drafted early. Done. I'm like, well, I mean, Miami's sitting there, and like that that might that might matter. Oh, I don't risky. Know, all right. I, yeah. So last question. Trevor Lawrence 1, Zach Wilson 2, Mac Jones 3, Kyle Pitts 4, Jamar Chase 5, Dolphins trade down, let's say Patriots trade up, get Justin Fields. You guys yeah. are all dummies. He's the QB2. What, yeah. what the hell are you doing? Yeah. We're going to have another Tom Brady S dynasty for forever. So now we're looking at 107. We're looking at the Dolphins. What do the Dolphins do? do
0: do, or do the, Panthers... the
1: lions? Yeah, is that what I said? Yeah, the Lions.
0: Yeah, you said the Dolphins, but the, the Lions no, for I sure.
1: The Lions at 107. Do the Panthers, you know, actually get a quarterback? I think they didn't think they could get a quarterback. I think they thought quarterbacks would run early, so they went out and got Sam Darnold. Um, do they do they get a quarterback? Do they trade down they're like, "Hey, we're 3 years away from being competitive. Let's just, you mm-hmm. know, acquire draft capital." Do they get Penny Sewell, who who fell on this 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 mock we're doing? Yeah. Uh, what should they do? What do you think they do? Um, and that's our last question.
0: Yeah, I think that they're they're another team that's very hard to read because the Lions they trade they trade for Goff. Well, this whole like seven eight, so it's it's the Lions at seven, the Panthers at eight, and then the Broncos at nine. I think that three sort of like team area is very interesting. The Lions. Just got Goff, so in theory, they probably won't take Did a quarter. Did they
1: want him, or was it just, hey, you know, like the sort of uh, Brock Osweiler move? Right.
0: They're willing to pay, or they're, they're, just, they're willing to take you off his hand, to take Goff off your hands off for whatever. Books. Yeah. yeah. Um, the Lions are, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me at all if they're like, hell, we're going to sit here and take Trey Lance, you know? Or mm-hmm. if if Fields falls, especially Fields. And so... They're very hard to read. I do think they could trade back because they're sort of in the same situation as the Falcons. New coaching staff, new GM, new, you know, I think they're trying to lay the foundation there in in the long term and, and get their guys. And some people subscribe to the theory that like you, you set the foundation before you bring in a quarterback before he's going to just be thrown to the wolves and all that. I could see that happening. They could still take a quarterback here and sit him for a year or two. Um, but I kind of see them leaning uh, offensive line or defensive line because just because of like the football guy, Dan Campbell coming in there and like wanting to bite off kneecaps, like wanting to instill confidence or, or instill this culture of, of kick your ass type thing. And like taking a quarterback necessarily doesn't, it doesn't do then do anything for you right away. Um, especially if you're going to go with golf for the first year or two. So I don't know. I see them either trading they're back there.
1: or. You know, they want to be run heavy. So just like yeah. put a hog molly up front, something like that.
0: Exactly. So that's what I kind of see them doing. I think if Sewell's there, they'll take Sewell. Um, so, or trade back and, and pick up some more picks. But um, then that eight spot with the Panthers, I think they're also a trade back spot. I think it's going to be Washington. And, and we have in this little mock scenario, we have New England coming up to Miami. I don't know if Miami's willing to trade with a division partner. So I think the. Seven, eight, nine spot really would be where New England um can come up and, and and get fields. I think with the Lions or with Carolina or with well, no Denver and then could take a quarterback too. So I think seven, eight is is that sweet spot for Washington and and New England.
1: Would would that not be the most Belichick thing ever? Where like the entire NFL misses on the clear QB two according to. The great Danny Kelly, and then you know, it just <laughs> falls into their lap, and they're just dominant for forever. Like the they're NFL, Newton, and that was your comp. They have the offense for him ready.
0: Yeah, dude, the NFL deserves what they get if Fields falls. That's all I'm saying. <laughs> they deserve whatever they get if Fields falls.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, and then and then Zach Wilson's a bust, just like you thought, and the Jets are <laughs> terrible for forever.
0: Well, it's honestly, you know, new new coaching staff, new. GM or not new GM, but like new coaching staff, new culture, whatever. Like I get it, but like the jets are the jets. And like, if they can't get out of this rut that they've been in for decades, you know, then that's not a great scenario for Zach Wilson. We've been doing these pods, um, on the ringer NFL show the last couple of weeks where we look at the history of top three picks and, and the overall top pick in the draft. And basically the hit rate on, on the top three picks, top three quarterbacks. So quarterbacks taken in the top five, for instance, the hit rate is really, really low over the last 20 years or, or 10 years. Um, and a lot of that has to do with just, it's really hard to evaluate quarterbacks, but a lot, a lot of it too, I think, is these quarterbacks are getting dropped into these terrible situations and being asked to elevate like a mess of a franchise. And even if you're a highly talented quarterback, sometimes it's like impossible to do that. You end up looking bad. Your career looks bad. Um, we'll see kind of what happens with Darnold, but he was in the same situation. Like, you know gets stuck with Jeremy Bates as a rookie who's not in the league and then he, and they go from that to Adam Gase who is a long track record of like making his talented players look shitty <laughs> you know <laughs> and so like that's like situation matters a lot i don't i think this can be different with the jets and, and and Zach Wilson this year but he's not going into an ideal situation clearly if you look at like Mahomes he went to a team that had been 12 and 4 the previous season got into the playoffs with Alex Smith at quarterback, and then he was able to like elevate that offense. He's obviously like freakishly talented, but he's in an amazing situation. You look at uh Lamar Jackson, they were and are like a perennial playoff team, very strong defense, like a very smart drafting team, consistently one of the smartest teams in the NFL. Uh, and and that's obviously helped him in his early career. So, I think. You know, it's it's it almost helps if you fall a little bit. Honestly, it's like it, if you go to a good team, it's your I think your odds of becoming a successful quarterback in the NFL are just better because you have that support system. Like, Russell Wilson went to the team with like literally maybe the greatest defense of all time for the first couple of years of his year of his career, so that helps. So I don't know. I think what I'm saying is it's very difficult for these guys to go into a bad situation and, and excel. So that's why I'm you know like I'm not I love Burrow, but like they got to get better around him or else we could end up being like, well, he didn't really pan out. You know, he, he looks solid as a rookie, but um, you know, I think you go to a team that has a, a pretty shitty roster and they, they got to do some work to get better pretty quickly here, or else he could kind of like just, you know, plateau.
1: Mm-hmm. Danny. I love it. Yeah. This is, this is one of the best, most fun podcasts I've ever done expected no less from <laughs> from from such a nice guy such a, a smart guy uh so knowledgeable dude thank you so much for coming on sorry for going over the the Oh no you're of- good. Um, <laughs> anything anything you want to plug right now?
0: Yeah so the Ringer NFL draft guide uh it's at the, the Ringer Fantasy Football show which is a show I do once a week with Danny Heifetz and Craig Horlbeck, and then also the Ringer NFL show. Um, Danny Heifetz and I are doing two draft-centric shows a week up until the draft, so check that out as well.
1: Check it all out. It's all great. Re- refresh it every week. Listen to all those podcasts. Uh, I'm going to be plugging Manscaped.com. How's your ball situation? Let's go. Uh, thank you once again, Danny. and uh, thank you. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you guys next week.